0: Amen, amen, amen. If you have your Bibles with you, go ahead and open to Matthew chapter 12. Matthew chapter 12. Actually, while you guys are turning there, let me just uh, pray over the word together. Uh, If you just want to bow your heads with me. Jesus, we thank you that, Lord, um, you're not a God that boasts of empty promises. You're a promise keeper, Lord, that every word that comes from your mouth is good and full of truth. Lord, we know that, um, Lord, I might be teaching your word, but Lord, you speak. And so, Lord, I pray that you would speak this morning, Lord, to each and every person that's in this place. I pray that they would hear your voice. If they've never heard your voice, would you speak to them in a whole new way? God, would you make yourself recognized in their heart, Lord, and in their mind and in their eyes, Lord. And so, God, we pray that you would um, just be here. Lord, we already know that you're here. God, we pray that we would just acknowledge and see where you're at. So we love you and we praise you, and it's in Jesus' name we pray together. Ah, uh. man. So in that, um, I'm excited to share with you guys. We've been going through this series called the Messy Series, kind of ever since kind of the turn of the year, and now here we are in kind of late May, and we're we're heading into kind of the final messages of it. And there's a couple things that I wanted to kind of touch base on regarding the messiness of life. And even to go as far back as to talk about the heart behind it and why we were talking about it, it's that, you know, God doesn't go for the best parts of your life. Oftentimes when we come before Jesus and we come before the Lord, we think we have to have it all together or we think that God is only interested in the best parts about us. But we actually serve a God who knows our weaknesses, who knows our struggles and knows our pains, That he would be willing to go into those deep places of our hearts, those deep struggles, and we want to dwell there. In fact, the very things that you think disqualify you from God's love, God's forgiveness, calling you his son or daughter, are the very places that God not only wants to enter, but he actually wants to be a part of. And he wants to walk in redemption in those places. And this morning I actually wanted to talk about something specific. Now... I want to talk about language, but I want to talk about language specifically with cussing and swearing. Now, this is a funny one because I mentioned it kind of offhand a couple months ago that I would be talking about this, and I've never never had so many students approach me or leaders approach me and say, hey, when are you talking about this? Hey, so when are are you planning on talking about that? Because it's something that's kind of a funny topic, It's something that's part of our everyday life, but it's not something that we would necessarily talk about up front when it comes to a sermon and things like that. And so, I guess when I'm I'm discussing cussing and swearing, just to give a very simple definition of it, I'm talking about actual words, you know, that are not appropriate to speak. And so, I'm not going to be saying them during the sermon, just so you guys know. (laughs) So... You know, oh, that, 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 that. No. Ah, a parent walks in. <laughs> what kind of service? <laughs> yes, you can laugh. It's okay. Uh, but at the same time, I would just say that a message on swearing could be very condemning. You could take this as very condemning to maybe the way that you talk or the way that you see it. And I would just say that for me, as I prep this message, is very convicting to my own heart. Now, that's not because I'm like, yep. Yeah, That throughout my life. And it's like, really? That's wrong? But swearing and cussing go so much deeper than just the very words that you say. Amen? Amen? Amen. Absolutely. There's so much more to it. And even in that, there's so many different different perspectives when it comes to things about swearing. There are those, maybe in this room, who don't necessarily swear. But you'll substitute certain words when it comes to the point of saying it. So you'll say words like frick or heck or you'll use kind of like AF when you're writing certain things, or MF. Yeah, it's true. You'll use it. You might not necessarily say it, but maybe your heart isn't necessarily in the right place as you say it as well. There may maybe those in this room who do swear, and maybe in your heart you're thinking, well, what's the problem with it? I'm just being real. I'm just being honest with the way that I talk. You know. But I would just say being honest doesn't necessarily mean you, you choose the darkest speech being honest means that you express yourself for who you truly are. Yes, that means sometimes being honest means sometimes being a downer when, or just not faking things. But at the same time, what that also means is this. Being honest sometimes mean, is reminding yourself of how good things are as well, not just how bad things are. That's what honesty really is. And so when, when it comes to kind of talking about language, I want to talk about it from the perspective of someone who would call Jesus as their Lord and Savior this morning. Because, you know, I think that there's, there's a different perspective for those who would call themselves Christians, those who call on Jesus as their Lord and Savior, versus those who don't. Because if someone outside of the church is is cussing, but they don't have a relationship with God, the Word says that, what business is it of mine to judge the world? What is it? What business of mine is it to condemn them for their speech, when they've made no commitment to Jesus in their own life. So I want to talk about us kind of specifically in that. But also at the same time, you know, we live in a world that that uses profanity, that uses all kinds of language, and there's some things that you can't avoid. Amen? Amen? When you're walking down the hallway at school and you hear that kid bleep, bleep, bleeping, you know, you can't avoid that. Amen? You're not going to like earmuffs, you know, like down the... But at the same time, here's the other side of it. What kind of music do you listen to? What kind of people do you surround yourself with? And in that, that's another intentional part of it as well. So I want to I look at the context of the scripture. Matthew chapter 12. This actually takes place in a really interesting confrontation. It's between Jesus and the religious rulers of the day. And the religious rulers, at this point, Jesus is healing people. Physically, in all in all kinds of ways, and it says God's hand has come among us, and the Pharisees say it's by the it's by the hand of the devil that He's doing it. That's why He's doing it. Now, you want to talk about inappropriate things to say? That's probably an inappropriate thing to say about Jesus. Is by saying, "Well, the only reason He can heal is because He's using Satan." Is what they said about Him, and Jesus addresses it in this particular scripture, and while addressing them. He comes upon kind of this point. If you want to look at verse 33 with me in chapter 12. And he's talking specifically about the Pharisees' language. And what he says about it is this. He says, make a tree good and its fruit will be good. Or make a tree bad and its fruit will be bad. For a tree is recognized by its fruit. You brought a vipers. How can you who are evil say anything good? It says, for the mouth speaks... Everybody say, for the mouth speaks. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. I got (laughs) you. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him. And the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in them. Can we say amen together? We're going to camp in this verse and just look at some other things. Because it's interesting that Jesus wouldn't just say, that was an inappropriate thing to say. That was the wrong thing to say don't ever say that again. That's not how he would approach it. Instead, Jesus would begin this. He would turn it around and look at it a different way. And he begins talking about trees and talking about fruit. Now, why did he do that? He's talking about trees and fruit because he's talking about ultimately the tree is your heart and the fruit is your mouth. And ultimately what he's saying is what is what you're harboring in your heart is ultimately going to be the speech that comes from you. That's why he says, how can you guys who are evil say anything good? It's impossible for you to say something good when your heart's in a certain place. And ultimately, what is in your heart will ultimately become your speech as well. Amen? It's interesting how Jesus would approach it, but it's interesting how we would approach things like language kind of in our world. Amen? So, what I mean by this is that Sometimes, when we talk about swearing and cussing and kind of inappropriate language, it can be easy to simply look at the words that are coming out of our mouths rather than looking at maybe the deeper meaning of what's going on. And so, I, I like to golf, it's something that I picked up kind of later in life. Um, and one thing that, if you don't know, if you've never been golfing, is that when you go, if you go by yourself or you go with maybe another person, out on a course, they have these things called tea times. Everybody say tea times. Tea time, you know. But what happens is they usually pair you up with another person or another two people or something like that. That way you guys golf together. And so it can be a great ministry as well. You can get to know people for the course of a couple hours of playing golf with them. But now something that can be, that's just funny for me as a pastor. Because when people find out that I'm a pastor, they start treating me different like I'm some holier-than-thou kind of person because they're like oh my gosh I just cussed in front of a pastor like lord help me and so what usually happens is I get paired up with another dude who's a couple years older than me or like an older person and like they'll shank their ball off the tee they'll miss it and I'm like ah and they'll just cuss and then we'll get down like a hole or two and they'll go so what do you do for a living like I'm a pastor and they're like and one guy was like no shit you are <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But, and all of a sudden, their language begins to change. And there was one guy, actually, I have never heard the F word, just preached over a golf course. He was just screaming it every time he played. And so, there was one, he was, like, combining, like, different anatomies of the human body with the F word and stuff like that. And he just screamed it out at his friend, And without missing a beat, he turns to me and he goes, so what do you do for a living? And I'm like, I'm... I'm a pastor and he just paused and he goes <laughs> and He just didn't say another word. And the rest of the time, you know, he doesn't he didn't cuss. And but let me ask you something. Did that address the anger in his heart? That address the insecurity or the ungratefulness whatever that may be in their heart? Cuz they still got mad. They were still in the same situation. They still had the same patterns and systems of thought that led them to swear but they were just changing the word at the end of it. Does that make sense? It was the same tree. You know what I mean? But they were just trying to change one little thing with the fruit. And that's that's what's interesting about it because people go, "Oh, I need to I need to clean up my speech." And it's it's like, "No, nah, God God wants not just your your words, God wants your heart when it comes to the things that you say." See, ultimately The mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Swearing, cussing, profanity is something that doesn't happen by accident. There's a reason behind everything that we say. Even if you don't necessarily say the swear word in itself, the meaning behind it is still exactly the same. And I would just say if you're here and you're struggling with your language, you need to understand that God isn't trying to address your mouth. God's trying to address the deep roots of your own heart. Because oftentimes it's the language that indicates certain places that you are. How many of you have ever been to a foreign country? How many of you have ever been to a place? You can recognize certain locations by certain languages that are spoken to you, right? When you're in a certain place and you hear somebody talking in a particular language, you can recognize, oh, I'm I'm located here. This is where I'm at in the world. It's not just necessarily looking at a map, but it's recognizing a people group. That's not to say that. One particular person speaks only in one place, but just to say that you could recognize a broader range of what's going on. It's the same with our hearts. When we speak a particular language, people can recognize certain things about your own heart, things about yourself. And that's what God ultimately wants because cussing is the fruit of what's going on in your heart. But there's a tree that's producing that kind of fruit ultimately, God's not just trying to change a couple words. And I would just say if you're struggling with it, you need to understand that God's not just going for the words that are coming out of your mouth. Because when cussing occurs or close to it, it's a system of even, you could say, hate-filled speech that's happening inside of you. I think one thing that we can agree upon is that cussing or not, we live in a society that puts each other down. You know, you look at bullying that happens, not just person to person, but you look at bullying that happens on social media. You look at putting down, you look at gossip. It's this wide range of hate that just fills our speech. And sometimes we look at it, well, I'm not cussing. But there's still hate, there's still deceit, there's still hurt happening in your own heart that's affecting the way that you talk to people. And here's the thing about the Lord. See, God doesn't just want you to toe the line with your language. He wants you to express the fullness of his his love. God isn't asking you to toe the line of death. You're not just kind of tiptoeing, just hoping, well, I hope I don't cross over, but you're living in this death-filled speech. But God is looking that you would speak life fully. See, if you want to know how to speak, if you want to know how to talk to one another, the best way is to do this. Look at Jesus. Look at how God talked to people. God spoke things into life is what the word says. It says at the beginning, God spoke things into existence and it was good. God spoke goodness into people. God encouraged people. In fact, there's a commandment. Ladies, you remember this. There's a commandment in Hebrews 2 that says, We are called to encourage one another daily is what it says. The word says that God is truth. Numbers 22, it says God doesn't lie. He's not like us. He speaks the truth. He speaks goodness over one another. And so, Jesus isn't just towing the line of death and avoiding swearing and how he talked to his disciples and how he talks to us. But God speaks life over us. He speaks the truth. He speaks goodness. And that's what your speech and that's what your heart was ultimately intended for. Amen? So when you look at Christianity, we're not, we're not defined as a people. When you look at church and you look at a people that call upon Jesus' name, the world doesn't say, what the F-bomb, and the church says, what the frick? That's not what makes us different from the world around us. We're not just avoiding certain words, but the world may speak death, but we speak life. Amen? We speak life over one another. And I think that one thing that I just kind of want to do with even the rest of our time is I want to look at the, the heart of it. Cussing was a part of who I was growing up. I cussed a lot growing up. And when God got a hold of my heart, that's when I was able to get a hold of my speech. Because I'll tell you what, growing up, I gave God my speech all the time, but I never gave him my heart. Once God got a hold of the tree, it started producing the fruit that was needed, that life I think that's what God wants for each and every one of us, amen? So what does it look like? Where, do, where does swearing and cussing come from? So I, I just divided it up into three different things where swearing and cussing can come from. First one I would just say is it can come from anger. Swearing and cussing is something that can come from what it, what it would say in Proverbs 14, 29 is whoever is patient has great understanding but the one who is quick-tempered displays folly. When you have anger in your life, whatever the reasons may be, it's this. It will, you will display your folly, and it will be displayed in the speech that you show to one another. Anger is an, an interesting one because anger can have all kinds of different roots and sources. I was reading a little bit about it, the psychology of anger. And one of the quotes that it actually gave was, it said this. It says, Anger can also be... A substitute emotion. Everybody say substitute. Substitute. By this, we mean that sometimes people make themselves angry so that they don't have to feel pain. People change their feelings of pain into anger because it feels better to be angry than it does to be in pain. When you are angry, you're angry with cause. What that says is that anger can sometimes be a substitute for dealing with the other emotions of your heart. If you're sad about something that's happening, if you're frustrated with something, if you feel out of control in your life, instead of feeling the hardship and the sadness of that, sometimes it's easier just to go to the bank and exchange it for anger. And you're just angry. One of the things that gets me most angry in my life is the feeling of being out of control. I just want to be in control. I just want everything to go my way. How many of you ever felt that way? You're like, why didn't it happen the way... I wanted it, God. How many of you have ever said that before to God? God, what are you doing? But in reality, what you're saying is, God, why aren't you doing it my way? I feel that all the time. And that's in that angst and that frustration is where anger bursts itself. That's where the frustration um, comes from. That's why you're more inclined or you might have seen adults in your lives more inclined to swear when they're driving. (laughs) Because they're out of control of the other drivers around them. And then they get mad. That's truly where it comes from in their heart. See, it's easier to deal with anger than to deal with the pain of your heart. And so one thing I would just even say is if you're angry about something, whether you're cussing, whether it's led to that place or not, maybe it would be wise to look at why are you angry? Ask the question, why are you mad? Because maybe you're angry. Maybe you're closing doors. Maybe you're going numb in your heart. Because you're trying to hide something that God ultimately wants to heal. Or maybe something that you need to trust God in. Because if anger comes from a lack of control, healing from anger comes from trusting God with that control and faith. Amen? Ultimately, it comes back to this place of trusting God, forgiveness, mercy, and compassion, and surrendering those things to healing, whatever they may look like. The second one, I think, can come from a place of swearing and anger can come from ungratefulness. The actual definition of ungratefulness is this. It's surprisingly not thankful. You know, like you have a heart that is not thankful for the things around you. But another definition of it I thought was really interesting was unacceptable. Because you would look at something and you would say, this is unacceptable to me. Whatever it may be. And you declare it not enough for your own life. And this is where... I'll tell you what you and God can have a lot of discrepancies and a lot of debates. What's acceptable and not acceptable in your lives because God declares something acceptable for your life. And you go not acceptable. God, that's where ungratefulness can come in. That's where it can creep in together, which speaks even more to the posture kind of that you take in your heart because thankfulness is an attitude that you take in your life. And I was in seventh grade. How many of you guys have birthday parties and gifts and things like that? <laughs> How many of you have fun? <laughs> you know. So in seventh grade, we would always do our family. I had three older siblings, and so we would do birthday parties all the time. And we would have a big gift at the end. And so um, now let me remind you, I talked about golf earlier. Golf I picked up later in my life, but I never really played when I was younger. And so it came kind of our birthday party, and I, I wanted certain things. How many of you have a wish list for your birthday? How many of you ask for certain things and you're like, hey, man, you know, and I remember as a seventh grader, Natalie, can you put up that picture that's in there? This is what I got for seventh grade. I didn't get clubs. I got a bag, a golf bag. Now, in seventh grade, my my big gift was a golf bag. And so I looked at that and I was like, what am I going to do with this? I don't play, and I don't want a golf bag. At least get me some clubs or something like that. And I remember after my birthday, I told my mom that. And then my oldest brother, who overheard the conversation, said, Jeff, come with me outside. And my older brother is eight years older than me. And so it was like either I was going to get beat up or, you know. And he took me outside, and he says, what are you doing? And I'm like, what do you mean what I'm doing? I don't like my gift. He says, don't you realize, like, that was a gift? Like, do you realize, like, how lucky you are to get something like that? Now, you know, like, when somebody's talking to you and it's not about the golf bag, but you think it is about the golf bag? And so I'm, I'm like, trying to explain I don't want it. And he's like, you need to take a step back in your life because right now you're, you're thinking pretty small and pretty narrow-minded of going, oh, I can't believe I got a golf bag. You need to take a step back and realize you're one of the lucky people that even gets gifts for their birthday because most people don't. That's a gift from God. And over time began the switch in my attitude. It was an attitude, and it was a way that I looked at the things around me. And I know that it's not just, not just a golf bag, amen? But it's everything in your life that you could look at in the same way and go, well, I don't want this. Why would you give this to me? Or why don't you give this to me? And it's like, hold up. You need to take a step back. Maybe you're in a place of declaring unacceptable. And that's when ungratefulness creeps into your language. Because cussing can come from a place of, same place, frustration and anger over what you do not have, or what you do have, isn't acceptable enough. And all of that, I would just say leads to a place of understanding what contentment is. Maybe you need to look at the unacceptable things in your life and deem them acceptable. Maybe you're frustrated with your parents and you really want to cuss at them. But now you need to understand God has given you parents, good parents, and God has given you something good, and it's a matter of recognizing how thankful you are. In fact, what the Word says is that one of the signs of a mature Christian in, the, in faith of Jesus is one who gives thanks Pretty often, they're always thankful. They're always recognizing the things that are good for them in their lives. God, thank you for this. And oftentimes, it seems like the people who have the most stuff are the most unthankful, and the people who have the least are the most thankful. Amen? Because it's not a matter of possessions, it's a matter of your heart and your posture before it. The third one I thought was interesting that can relate to both of them is that cussing can come from a place of insecurity. And this one, I would just say, is probably more relevant than not and will become more and more relevant as you enter into your high school years. And what it means is this, is that maybe you cuss to fit in, to be accepted. It could be in little ways. It could seem like insignificant things, but taking a little nibble of it or just doing a little bit of it gives way to more. And what in that I would just say as well that maybe cussing isn't just something that comes out of anger. Cussing is something that comes out of joking as well. It can be funny. Somebody cuss, Ha, ha, ha. You know? And in that, what happens is maybe you cuss or maybe you see people who cuss in order to fit in or to put themselves in a certain category of cool, you know, or to put them in a certain category of, hey, I talk like this person, so I must be like this person, so you got to accept me like you accept that person. That's where insecurity can come in and creep into our lives One thing I would just say to you, just as a piece of advice, is if you are more accepted by people because you cuss and less accepted when you don't, are those really the kind of friends you want to have in your life? Probably not. Because if they're going to judge you or accept you by cuss words, what else will they not or not judge you by? It's just a matter of improving. It's a matter of being the person that you're not in order to be accepted by this world. But God accepts you as who you are. God accepts you with the language that he's given you and by abstaining from those things. And that's where confidence can come in. That's where the confidence to not only know who you are, but to encourage and speak life over others comes from. It comes from security knowing that God's got your back and that you're good just the way that you are in Christ because of what he did on the cross, amen? You're good. You're perfect the way you are. You're perfect in Christ. You don't need to try. You don't need to reach out into that world Reach out into cussing or hate-filled speech in order to be accepted in this world. Because that's a real temptation that we face, amen? Not just with cussing, but in anything in your lives that you need to do this in order to be accepted. And, you know, I would just say this as well. Security comes from knowing what God has said about you, which is why I would say having a daily relationship with God's word is so vital because you're hearing what God says about you. You know the specifics. You know the hard truths and foundations of how God feels about you. This is how God loves you. This is what God will do for you. You know the details. You know the specifics, and you can root your life in that, not in other things around you. But also, just simply this, insecurity gives way to security in life, not just in speech, but in everything. And what I mean is this, if you're someone that's insecure in yourself or you don't know who you are, and you, you're surrounded by people who maybe are secure in their cussing, it's ultimately going to begin to influence you that way. And so, is it a matter of removing yourselves from them? Yes, to an extent, but there are certain things you can't remove. You can't remove the kids that are in your class, amen? You might wish to, but you know, you can't remove the teacher either, you know? But this is what it is. When you're secure in the Lord, you realize how insecure people who cuss are. Because they're doing the exact same things. They're facing the same temptations you are. That's why when you see a godly woman or you see a godly man plant themselves into a place where maybe there's sin, maybe there's poor speech, hate-filled speech, it's like they begin to influence the people around them because their security is now giving way. The speech of those around them begins to change and the hearts of those begin to change around them who do you want to be in this room? Do you want to be influenced by the world around you or do you want to influence others? Do you want to be someone that influences others by the Holy Spirit and the power and the security and the love that he has for your life? Or do you want to be someone who's looking around every turn trying to avoid anything that could seem hard or hateful when really God has sent you into those places to be a light in the dark and to let your light shine bright which includes your heart and includes your speech. I'm going to call the worship team back up here. As we just close, you guys can go ahead and close your Bibles. There's a scripture in, a, it's in Ephesians 4.29, and what it says is this. It says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up. Can we all say building others up together? Building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. See, we're not, we're not called to unwholesome talk, whatever that may look like, whatever actual verbiage or English that may be. But we're called to build one another up. And ultimately, I think that starts with allowing God to build you up. Because we live in a world that you can't build others up unless you're being built up yourself. Amen. And in that, I think this is where it comes from. Allowing God to speak to you and speak over you. Allowing God to influence you in who you are. So this morning, I'm just going to ask you guys to close your eyes with me as we respond. Maybe you're, you were able to recognize, or maybe the Holy Spirit put on your heart, that you want to be someone who, who speaks life. You want God to change your speech. Maybe you've been wrestling with it. You've been towing that line, and you've been addressing the words that are coming out of your mouth. But you haven't been addressing what's going into your heart and what your heart believes in. So this morning, you want to open the door to the very depths and the things that kind of you believe in. You want to say, God, take my heart. God, change what I think. God, if I'm struggling with anger, Lord, would you take that? Would you help me navigate the depths of my heart? Maybe you're struggling with insecurity or even ungratefulness. And you want God to change your perspective. You want God to transform you. You want God to walk with you in that part of your life. As you go about your week, you want God to be revealing things of your heart and ultimately healing them, redeeming them. That's you. I want to pray with you this morning. Jesus, we thank you for the words that you speak over us. God, you don't speak death over us. You don't speak condemnation. Lord, you don't hurt us. But Lord, you love us and you speak goodness and you speak life over us. God, we just accept that this morning. If you're here this morning and you haven't let God speak over you, or maybe God's been trying to speak something and you've been telling him, um, yeah, I know, but you haven't been accepting it in your heart. Maybe this morning you need to accept what he says over you as truth. Not just as church language, but as truth of how God really does feel about you. The God of the universe loves you. We want you to know that and to live in that. So God, we praise you for who you are. And we love you so much. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.